Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, today we're going to have a new episode and we will talk about a couple papers that have changed the way we practice medicine. Uh, when I say medicine, I mean pediatrics for sure. Um, we will talk about six different uh, articles that have made a major breakthrough into uh, pediatrics and the way we manage our children. Uh, the first paper I would love to take a talk about, the first paper I would love to talk about is a paper that uh, address the food allergy. And it's a, it's a breakthrough paper. Um, uh, it, 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 it talks about uh, the timing of introduction of hyperallergenic food. The paper is known for a lot of uh, folks as the LEAP study. Uh, it's titled as Randomized Trial of Peanut Consumption in Infants at Risk of Peanut Allergy. Um, the uh, paper was published in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine and was cited more than 1,000 times. Um, the Basically, on the bottom line of this paper, we found that the old consum- the old belief of introduction of hyperallergenic food like peanut and egg uh, is harmful, and and, and it, it increases the risk of uh, food allergy. Uh, what we found actually earlier introduction at the age of four months to six months uh, is protective uh, for. Uh, children who are at high, the highest risk, who, uh, which basically means uh, severe eczema children. Um, however, we need to uh, take these recommendations and balance it with a recommendation of exclusive breastfeeding for six months. Um, when the child is in formula fed, then, and, uh, and especially for children with severe eczema, earlier introduction around the age of four months, five months, based on their readiness for solid food, is recommended for hyperallergenic uh, food, including eggs, peanut, and, and, and other uh, hyperallergenic food. Um, the second paper is uh, something that is dear to my heart, um, which is antibiotic stewardship. Uh, it's actually not basically about antibiotic stewardship, it's about shorter intravenous antibiotic, which also an, another dear topic uh, to my heart because I don't like separating families and longer admissions to hospital. Uh, what does this paper talk uh, about is the duration of IV antibiotic for UTI in young infants. It's a systemic review titled Short Interference Antibiotic Courses for Urinary Infections in Young Infants. This was done by Dr. Samar Hikmat. And what they found actually, shorter duration of IV antibiotic, less than seven days, is appropriate for managing uh, UTI in, uh, in infants age less than 90 days. Um, and the recommended uh, course of IV antibiotic to be between three days to less than seven days, and, and we can switch to oral antibiotic. Um, uh, this, this is quite an uh, amazing study and will decrease cost of care and burden families and stress and, 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 and unite family uh, together and avoid uh, admissions of 10 days.
And it's actually uh, the current practice of certain institutions in North America, uh, like uh, cert uh, certain hospitals in, in, in um, Seattle and Vancouver and uh, Ottawa. Um, while we talk about antibiotic, maybe we will uh, talk about this uh, paper that also addressed the duration of um, antibiotic for uh, community-acquired pneumonia. Uh, again, um, uh, antibiotic stewardship has been a hot topic in the literature lately, and the reason why, because prediction of, from the WHO that if we don't address the way we overuse antibiotic, we will create uh, superbugs, and, and, and these superbugs, multi-drug resistant organisms, uh, will kill uh, many people in the future. The prediction is in 2050, a uh, multi-drug resistant organism will kill 10 million people. What does that mean? Um, it means um, multi-drug resistant organism uh, in 2050 will kill uh, more than TB, cancer, malaria, and HIV combined. And for that reason, we need to uh, practice antibiotic stewardship and, and see uh, some other uh, way of practice of longer courses of antibiotic and revisit uh, these uh, recommendations and try to challenge them and see if we can get by with the shorter with the shortest possible course and this is what basically this paper did and what dr. Sam and, and her group looked into uh, and the uh, wanted to know if the shorter duration of antibiotic is equal to the old recommendation of 10 days and what they found for community acquired pneumonia is actually five days is is uh, equal and non-inferior and there was no no failure of treatment in the uh, 30 days post treatment so this is quite uh interesting um and 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 i think it should be in practice already and i know there is is a group and uh, other hospitals has already implemented the five days course for uh, community acquired pneumonia and 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 uh, we need to emphasize it's a community acquired and complicated pneumonia that is what the recommendation of five days for um, the let's switch from the antibiotic um, arena and we will uh, get into a new area and what we're going to talk about uh, next is uh, Kawasaki disease. We know Kawasaki disease is a common disease around the, around the globe and, 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 and affects uh, younger children um, and, and we still uh, don't have an, a, a, a major understanding of why it happens. Um, However, we know uh, very well how to manage it, and, and, and we have a lot of success in managing Kawasaki disease. But we also want to know, can we uh, make sure the medication we use does not have side effects, and can we go with the minimum possible? And that actually what Dr. Zuan Zeng and his group was trying to answer. They wanted to know, uh, do we need to use high-dose aspirin in Kawasaki disease, or can we get by 
with the low dose. And this was the title of their paper, Efficacy Between Low and High Dose Aspirin for the Initial Treatment of Kawasaki Disease, Current Evidence Based on Meta-Analysis. And from the title, you know, it, it is a meta-analysis, so it's the strongest evidence, evidence available. Um, and, and, and basically, what they found was, after reviewing the literature, uh, that low-dose aspirin, which is a 3 to 5 milligram per kg, is as good, as effective as high-dose aspirin. And this goodness, this effectiveness, comes with a lower risk of a side effect. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, institutions as well have implemented uh, this uh, recommendations that have been in practice already. Um, the next uh, study uh, will uh, switch from um, uh, um, Kawasaki and, and acute infections to uh, nutrition and, 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 and cognitive function, and it's looking at iron deficiency, anemia, and links to cognitive function. And then it looks at it even at a younger age as 9 to 12 months. Uh, the study is titled as Iron Deficiency Anemia and Cognitive Function in Infancy. Uh, and this uh, randomized clinical trial looked at cognitive function of children at 9 months of age. Um, and they found actually uh, a, a, a very clear link between iron deficiency and um, and, and uh, poor cognitive function. And, and the major uh, deficit was actually uh, noticed on the socio-emotional function. Um, so I think this is another evidence to recommend uh, mass screening of um, anemia for all children uh, between the age of uh, 9 to uh, 12 months um, or uh, or according, or following the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation for 12 to 15 months. The earlier the better uh, and to ensure children meet their cognitive ability, meet their potentials and grow to, to do well in schools and be um, a productive member of their societies. Um, the next uh, paper is actually a systemic review of ten. Uh, it's a systemic review of ten uh, breakthrough papers in twenty twenty one. It's actually I would recommend reading the whole paper. It's a quite interesting, quick read, uh, amazing summary of uh, three valuable ten papers. Um, the paper is titled by uh, title as 2021 Update in Pediatric Overuse. Simply what the paper is trying to recommend is doing less is better um, and af avoid over-medicalizing uh, our approach to uh, children and try to uh, uh, see if conservative approach is, is much better than than uh, um, than being uh, proactive in, in, in managing our children. Um, uh, again, the paper is by uh, Nathan Money, and uh, it's, it's a very valuable paper. I would recommend 
reading it um, and and we look forward to uh, next year uh, summary as well um, I would I, w- I want to highlight two articles uh, from this amazing paper so the first one is about the uh, the threshold of platelet uh, the threshold of platelet transfusions and uh, neonates and um, they wanted to look into the cutoff of 25,000 compared to 50,000 and uh, and um, and uh, preterm infants um, uh, and what we found actually that uh, preterm infants less than 34 weeks who were transfused at the threshold of 50,000 have more um, complications including major bleed uh, or uh, the worst complication of all death um, so uh, being conservative and, and practicing 25,000 was actually protective for the, uh, the premature uh, neonates. Um, the second paper that I would love to highlight from this uh, outstanding uh, report is uh, looking into how we manage spontaneous pneumothorax in children. Um, and the original article from... Um, from multi-centers study, randomized clinical trial in 39 hospitals in Australia and New Zealand, looked at how we manage pneumothorax and uh, uh, how we manage spontaneous pneumothorax in uh, children older than 14. And they and then the reason they choose 14 because that is the most common age for spontaneous pneumothorax. And what they found uh, that if the uh, if the child presenting with pneumothorax and hemodynamically stable uh, 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 using conservative approach and not putting a chest tube uh, was none inferior to being proactive and and inserting a chest tube and 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 and, but the one most important uh, highlight is the child has to be hemodynamically stable and, and this is amazing for uh, low resource settings and also amazing for uh, causing less uh, complications and, side, and pain and, 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 and lower risk of infections. So this is a, a major uh, breakthrough paper that uh, actually recommend conservative management over, um, over inserting chest tube. Um, However, the child has to be, has to be hemodynamically stable. Um, I would uh, recommend going through the remaining eight papers uh, and where they looked into uh, our, our, uh, glucose, uh, how we manage hypoglycemia and, uh, and neonates and other interesting topics as well. And with that, uh, we reached the end of this episode. I hope you found uh, those uh, reviewed articles quite useful, and I hope you start implementing them in your practice. And thank you for listening, and we'll meet again. Bye.